You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Hello, my awesome friends. It's another new week, and we have got a great episode for you. Welcome to American Sex. This is a podcast dedicated to normalizing conversations about pleasure and alternative sexual expression by challenging those puritanical, backward ass ideals we have right here in the United States. This is episode 111 of American Sex Podcast, and I am Sunny Megatron. My awesome co-host is Ken Melvoin-Berg, who you'll be hearing from in just a few minutes. We're both sexuality educators, pleasure advocates, and kinky perverts, too, that are married to each other, by the way. So this week, age play expert, Paul Ruloff is our guest. Paul is also known online and in the kink scene as Rule of Three. He's been part of the alternative sexuality community for over 10 years, and he's largely focused on promoting and educating about age play. He was a co-founder of Chicago Age Players and the founder of CapCon, the Midwest Age Play Convention. He also wrote the nonfiction book, Age Play, From Diapers to Diplomas. Currently, he calls St. Louis, Missouri home and organizes an age play munch there. He's also board member of STL3, an alternative sexuality member organization, which produces Spanx Giving and the Beat Me in St. Louis conventions. So age play is one of those fetishes that is so taboo. And so many folks either shut it down and won't even listen to what you have to say about age play, or they pretend they aren't interested. However, behind closed doors, it's a different story. You know, it's kind of interesting when you look at the top porn search terms, like year after year, every report is the same. Things having to do with fetishizing age in some respect, you know, whether it's like the barely legal genre of porn or MILF or GILF, which is mother's I'd like to fuck or grandma's I'd like to fuck, or even porn that implies incest like step-sibling or stepmom. Those are all super popular and they appear at the top of those lists all the time. But even though they're so popular, at the same time, nobody is admitting to actually being into that stuff. So hmm, what's that all about? Maybe we've got a little hypocrisy going on here. So in this conversation with Paul, we break down age play. We clear up misconceptions by discussing what age play is and what it isn't. We also explore the psychological motivations behind this fetish. You know, it may surprise you that... The focus of it is less on emulating a juvenile, but more on tapping into headspace where you're free from responsibilities. You know, you can speak your mind, say whatever you want, act silly without judgment, enjoy the comfort of having structured and simple boundaries and rewards and consequences. In essence, it's basically taking a big old vacation from adulting. In this conversation, we also break down non-sexual role play versus those that incorporate sexual elements in their scenes. And Paul also tells us about the judgment that age players face within the BDSM community. 
With Paul, we also learn about the phenomenon of the shrinking childhood and how it contributes to the surging popularity in age roleplay. We talk about why the role of a big, that's like a mommy dom or a daddy, is appealing to some people, and the variety of roles and play styles you can choose from. He also tells us what forced age regression is all about, how to tap into little space in public settings without involving others in your kink non-consensually. He tells us how some of these folks use age play therapeutically gives advice for otherwise open-minded folks that still can't quite wrap their heads around age play, and we talk about a whole lot more. Now, I want to give a little content note and context before you listen to this conversation. It's a fact. Y'all know it. Age play squicks some people out, but don't let that alone steer you away from listening to this episode. One of the things we do during this episode is to demystify and explain why age play isn't the same thing as all of those awful things you might assume. You know, I'm talking incest, pedophilia, etc. But know that during this conversation, we do briefly discuss some of those things. Also, we touch on childhood traumas and abuse. Although we don't get into super great detail about those things, we do bring it up. So I want you to be aware of that. As always, of course, you and your well-being are our number one top priority. So do what you need to do to take care of you. I also want to mention that, as always, many of the links that we refer to in this upcoming conversation will be in the show notes at americansexpodcast.com for episode 111. I've also added a few more resource lists and links like an age play acronym and terms glossary, plus links to community resources for those into or curious about age play. Also over on patreon.com slash American sex, we continue our conversation with Paul. He tells us about his first adult purchase and how it went horribly, horribly wrong. He also tells us about that one time at sex camp when he almost broke his dick. It's a good one. We chat about a bunch of other stuff too. So make sure you head on over to patreon.com slash American sex. Also, up on Patreon right now, available to the public, meaning you don't have to be a member to listen to this, is a conversation with Dixie De La Tour of the Body Storytelling Podcast. I actually guested on her podcast last week, and we continued the conversation for another, I don't know, 25 minutes or so. It's, it's a bit um, over on patreon.com slash American Sex. So you can go get that there, listen to it free. And if you're like, well, wait a minute, I'm confused. Wait, Patreon membership, you know, what, what is this all about? Yeah, go on over that link, patreon.com slash American sex. And you can find out more about membership there too. So not only does your membership help support this show, you get a lot of awesome perks for as little as $3, like bonus stories from our guests, extra full length episodes, all of our regular episodes early, American Sex Podcast stickers sent to you in the mail, a shout out on this show, random surprises, and like there's a whole lot more. So American Fuckers, you ready? Grab that teddy bear, snuggle close, you know, get all cozy with whatever listening device you choose to listen to podcasts on, and let's dive into age play with Paul Ruloff. We have on the line Paul Ruloff, who is an expert in something that some of you are going to be so 
damn excited about. And some of you are going to get a little side eye and be like, what's this fetish all about? I don't really know. Well, you're going to find out. Paul Ruloff's here talking to us about age play. Hi, Paul. Hi, Paul. Hey, guys. So first of all, long time no see. Uh, Paul is a long time friend. And I, I think the last time we saw you was at uh, your class. And I want to say that was at Ropecraft in Chicago. No, it was Beat Me in St. Louis. Was it Beat it? Me in St. Louis? Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm wrong. I am wrong. And you yeah. are right. It was Beat Me in St. Louis. Uh, and the class was on Disgust. And it was one of the most amazing classes that we had ever seen. But that's not what we're talking about today, though. Now, first of all, Paul, can you tell us a little bit about you and what it is that you do and what you write about and what you teach about? Sure. I have really have two main concentrations. Um, the first is emotional sadism and masochism. So basically, embarrassment, jealousy, um, and once again, disgust really turned me on. It's the the mental aspects of BDSM and kink that that really work it for me. And the second part is age play. Um, and age play is really just any sort of age-related role-playing. Um, and really, there's two large camps that people get into. Uh, the first is just simply, simply role-play. Um, and I really feel like a lot more age play is out there that people just don't recognize. So a lot of porn videos have themes about naughty schoolgirls or cheerleaders or something like that. All those are people portraying themselves as a different age. So I really feel like age play is a lot more mainstream than most people give it credit for. I agree. I've heard, you know, they do those like, you know, Pornhub and uh, X Hamster release data. And you always see that somebody looking for someone of a certain extreme age, whether it's someone much younger, like you said, the schoolgirl, or someone like a MILF or a GILF. Gilf yes. Those are way up there in the top five searches on all porn sites, pretty much all the damn time, at least here in America. So, all right, age play. When people hear age play, not all people, but some people are like, I don't know about this, you know, pretending that you're little that there's something wrong with that. It's, you know, it's incest. It's sick. You know, you I'm sure you've heard all the things. Mm-hmm. And what those people don't realize is there's a lot more than just what you happen to see at the surface. So let's start there. Explain to me what is age play in the aspect of the like the mental psychological appeal and also in the sexual appeal? Is it always sexual? Okay. So we just talked a second ago about how it's how it's a role play. And for some people, they they try it on just like damsel in distress or naughty French maid or something like that. So I would say that's that's half of age play. The other half of age play is really people funneling more of an aspect of themselves um, out and really kind of um, emphasizing that that aspect or that fragment um, of their personality to relax and let go and get deeper into headspace. So it really can go um, either of those ways. And I don't really see any either one is more valid than the other. Both are perfectly fine. And as long as you're getting the rocks off and wet, that's perfectly fine. Um, Whatever works for you. The sexual, non-sexual divide in age play is really, really pretty pronounced. And a lot of folks 
um, have really strong feelings about it. Some people believe that age play should be innocent and fun-loving and not sexual at all. And on the other hand, some people really like the dirty, taboo aspects of, of sex with someone who is tra- pretending to be a different age. Um, And I kind of see that as a continuum. Some people are totally against it. Some people are only sexual, but there's a lot of folks in the middle that sometimes it's great to be sexual, sometimes it's not. Me personally, I'm a a very sexual age player and it really really works for me. There, There are a lot of things that age play is not. It is not pedophilia for one. And I think that that's really confusing for a lot of folks. And I know that I I really struggled with that as as I was kind of learning and coming into my role because there wasn't there wasn't podcasts back then. There wasn't a lot of stuff that talked about age play. And I really wondered, am I a pedophile because I like this innocence? I like this excitement. Um and going through it, it I'm not and I feel like a lot of people who just gloss over it might get that impression, mm-hmm. but most of the people that I, I play with are physically over the age of 40, so it's not not close at all. Um, and a lot of people do see it as incestuous as well, but you are actually not related to these people, so there's no actual incest involved. Once again, it's role play, it's fantasy, um, and a lot of those folks really do like the familial roles, and like you like you said, like the the MILF or the GILF searches, there's a lot of stepsister um, porn out there as well. And I feel like this is really just an extension of that. Yeah, that step, the uh, the uh, stepsister, stepbrother, stepmother, stepfather porn is the largest form of amateur porn available right now. And it's continued to like blow everything else out of the water because and it's and i believe it started because they can't actually do fake incest when they're making porn production so they had mm-hmm. to like do the next best thing which is stepbrother stepfather stepmother incest oh so they like they've outlawed like you can't do like you can't say i'm this is yes, my actual kid this or is, this my, is yes, my actual exactly yeah, that's yeah. The, there's legal reasons why they couldn't so do now that, it's but step. it's addressing this particular issue now i was actually kind of blown away when I found out that there were people doing age play stuff in a non-sexual way, especially those that are under the age of 18. Now I didn't, you know, I I really wasn't aware of this and it's a fairly new phenomenon where it's people that are probably 15, 16, 17, pretending to be a little bit younger and role-playing in that aspect. Have you heard anything about this? But in like a total non-sexual. In a non-sexual way, yes. So, I, I have heard of some of it. I'm not really well versed in it because I really stick, and the people the people that I talk to are simply over the age of 18. But I've talked to a lot of folks, and they've told they've told me about their childhood and their experiences and how how they've gotten to their place in their story. And a lot of times, it it for a lot of people, it's something that that has started in childhood, and they've always enjoyed acting younger or playing with kids toys or for some folks even even diapers once they've grown out of the need of them yeah so a lot of people really see it as congruent or similar with their personality and and there's i feel like for folks that are stuck under the age of 18 there's not a lot of resources for them since most of the alternative sexuality stuff is 18 and over and that might be a place that people struggle and 
and have a lot of uncertainty. Right. I feel with social networking, they, they probably have a lot more resources than when I was younger. Um, so I feel like that's a really positive thing as well. You know, one thing I, I found interesting when I was looking at your book and uh, going over the the psychological needs that age play satisfies, and I'm, I'm guessing that a lot of these can apply to whether you're over 18 and you're doing it in a sexual way, or like Ken said, the people who are minors doing it just in a, in a play sense, in a non-sexual way. And I found a lot of the factors interesting, and, and you can touch on some of them, but the one in particular I found is the concept of shrinking childhoods. Can you talk so, about the, what that means? Sure. I think that a lot of kids um, really are thrust into many adult type things at an early age. We Childhood's a relatively recent phenomenon historically, um, but children really don't have a lot of time to be kids because maybe they're um, forced into doing sports heavily or they are they have such academic pressure that they need to meet because of their parents' goals or or even family situations. Mm-hmm. My parents got, got divorced when I was one, and I, I've always felt the need that I've had to grow up more quickly, be more responsible, um, help out with the house more than, than I feel like an average person child did. And I think that that not having that and having it be really shown in the media that, oh, kids are going around or even back in the 50s and 60s where kids would just go out all day and play and then come back for dinner. Kids these days, I don't feel have that as much. And that's something that I feel like people really miss and want to recreate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I hear a lot of people, you know, I don't consider myself an age player, although I've certainly done scenes and I tend to play more of a big role, like a mommy role or caretaker role. Um, But I've heard a lot of people who who are age players that play the younger roles say that, you know, it fits that psychological need where they just want to, things to be simpler. You know, you, you worry about bills and how to pay rent and, you know, all these things all day. Adulting is hard. Yeah, adulting is hard. Yeah, I mean, it basically <laughs> boils down to adulting is hard. And it's a huge stress reliever. It's a mental vacation to just sit down and, you know, maybe be a cute little brat and color in a coloring book and have a lollipop. So do you find that that's one of the main draws for people who play the younger roles? I I definitely agree. That's stress relief and having no expectations and, and not having a lot of um, like a social role that people need to follow is really important. So I run a monthly age play munch where a social get together Um, and people come and they color and they eat cookies and cupcakes and play shoots and ladders and things like that. And that is enough for some people to get into the headspace or the mindset um, that they just relax and they don't have to worry about life and sometimes their kids or school or whatever it is for those couple of hours. And they really find it relaxing and rewarding. And I feel like even something like that, which is just friends hanging out, um, is beneficial. And then I guess even like a, a relationship sometimes even takes that a bit farther. Right. You know, and, and I think a lot of people listening and, and myself as well, I can relate to that. Like, you know, when I'm in that headspace where I'm just in that total spa- state of play and I've set aside all my adulting ideas and responsibilities and I'm just like in whatever I'm doing, it's like, 
Who would say no to that? I think we all get that. However, then that makes me think, well, when you're having a little scene, you have a little and then you have a big, I get the appeal of adulting is hard. But then why do some people want to be like more adulting? I'm going to be the ultimate adult. What's the appeal for bigs? So that's a really good question. I'm going to hop back just for a second and say that. That that headspace and especially the, the the freedom is is really alluring, and some people really have problems maintaining a balance between between age play and their real life. Um, some people just want to be a baby or a kid the entire time, not have any responsibilities and things like that. And that that's kind of, I mean, that might be an ideal for some, but it is problematic because. At least for me, I want I want my partners to have a life and be productive and achieve their goals. And I feel like like finding that balance is really a difficult spot for some people. Um, and I just know that some people just kind of fall into that. Mm-hmm. So, so why in the world would someone want want to be a big um, or a caregiver or something like that? Um, and for some for some roles, it it really is kind of empowering. So one of the reasons that I felt really attracted to the daddy role, which is how I identify, is is the fact that there's already an air of legitimacy about it. Because in society, we know what fathers are supposed to be like, and I can kind of use that power to enhance the dynamic and, and also focus on control. I personally really like getting people to to achieve their goals and be better. And I really see the daddy role as helping with that. I've helped two of my little girls um, finish their school. One finished their master's and the other finished their bachelor's degree. And really just sitting down with them and doing my thing and focusing on guiding them through homework and encouraging that responsibility is something that, that really makes me feel good. Um, and their achievement makes me feel like I've really helped them out and done something. Mm. So that that's one thing that I really like about being a big or a daddy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I feel like it, there really is an element of control. Um, and it really, that the caring and nurturing is probably probably some of the more alluring aspects of it for other people as well. Um, and it's not, I mean, it is, it is hard work. Um, but yet I feel like the rewards are, are well worth it. One thing I wanted to mention really quick, if you are a big and your little happens to grab your $400 rare Dune coloring book from the 1990s. <laughs> oh God. Uh, try, try maybe to set boundaries as to what is okay to let your little color and what is not okay to let a little color. Cause a lot of times littles will just grab any old goddamn coloring book that's around. And if you happen to be a geek mm-hmm. like me that has rare coloring books, comic books, things that maybe little shouldn't be playing with, set those boundaries ahead of time. I, I definitely agree. And it is always really good to discuss beforehand what's okay and what's not okay, um, as well as labels. Because when I say daddy, it may mean something different than when one of you say daddy. And you may have a different aspect because of your lives or what you've read or seen. And really really going through and kind of laying out guidelines is one thing. I really feel like boundaries is another thing that a lot of age players are really seeking. Um, because... 
in the world we can go off and do practically anything and to help someone realize that there are natural consequences to their actions or that someone cares enough about them to to rein them in or have them doing the right thing is i think something that really people want mm-hmm. so when you're talking about how you define a daddy can a woman be a daddy definitely i really see it as more of more of the traits present than a sex or gender type thing. Um, and I guess traditionally we can see mommies as, see, I, I kind of, when I, when I think about daddies and mommies and things like that, I go back to like the 1950s, leave it to beaver sort of style. And, and that's where I kind of pull those, those archetypes or those, um, those traits from. And I feel like by having such a, uh, kind of a vibrant, standing out difference. It really helps people um, get in headspace and know what to expect, um, and and that really helps. I think it's really more about style and personal preference and what you're going for than than sex or gender. Right, right. And there's there's so many different flavors. Like when I think of mommy, because that's the role that I tend to play the most. You could be the mm-hmm. the nurturing. I care about you. Let let's do this together. Let's clean up the milk you spilled together and teach you. You know that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Or you could be like the stern mommy who you know maybe is kind of mean, but it's it's a very logical, rational mean for your own good. Or you could mm-hmm. be Joan Crawford off the rails, mommy dearest. You oh, know? So that's me, tough love daddy. I'm, I'm like a Joan, <laughs> Joan Crawford impact play daddy. So yeah, I mean, there there are so many, and that's just, you know, my impression of the mommy role, you know, take all of the other big roles, and there's, there's so many choices that you have. Now, one thing I find interesting is, you know, you talked earlier about how when we look at the porn searches, things that have to do with incest and age play are always up there amongst the top porn searches. So you know, people in America are hot for this stuff. But if you put it in the context of like, I'm going to get a coloring book and put on a little baby doll dress, then suddenly it's wrong. So we're a big bunch of hypocrites. Um One thing I find really fascinating is on my website, I put up an article, it was written by somebody else, it was a republished article about uh, DDLG, which is Daddy Dom Little Girl. And that article probably went up seven years ago. And I swear to you, I'm getting comments on it still every day. And it's really interesting because people who immediately had that knee-jerk reaction of like, this is wrong, when they realized like, it's about nurturing, it's about feeling emotionally safe with someone, it's about having someone to, you know, gently or sternly, depending on your style, um, carve out your boundaries for you and stuff. Everyone's just like, oh my God, oh my God, I need a daddy, I need, (laughs) or I am a daddy. So do you think it's really common in whatever relationship dynamics, whether you're into BDSM, or maybe you don't realize that you are, that we have these caregiver, nurturer, and, you know, little in some aspect relationships? Does that happen a lot more often than we label it? I I would tend to think so, because people do tend to naturally have complementary personality types when they get together. And, and I think that caring and nurturing and boundary setting are, are things that partners naturally tend to do for each other. And this just kind of specializes and calls that out a little bit more. Mm. 
Now, speaking of, of dynamics, are littles always submissives? Are bigs always dominance? Can two littles play together without a big? Can two bigs play together? Like, how does that work? So it is really totally freeform. Um, we've talked about daddy and mommy roles um, an awful lot, but bigs can really come in all shapes and sizes. And some of them are caring and nurturing, and, and others are not. Um, so you could have like a dirty uncle. Um, and <laughs> I know a lot of dirty uncles that aren't really uncles, but yeah, I know a lot of people mm-hmm. that have dirty uncles. It's a big thing. And we, we have talked about family and incest type things, but strangers can also be bigs. When I talk to people, oddly enough, um, people really mentioned um, having fantasies about a janitor at, at their school when they were younger because it was kind of mysterious. They were kind of always around and maybe a little bit weird. And I think that that might be an excellent role to play. Mm. Yeah, I had a roommate um, many, t- many years ago um, who was a little, and she was – she, she wanted to bring something from her own life into it. And she had told me the story about what actually happened when she was younger. She was late for the bus, um, and she was crying by the side of the road, and this guy in a van pulled over. Um, and he said, what's wrong? What's going on? She told him that she was late for school. He said, hop in. Uh, I'll give you a ride. So she foolishly went into the van against everything that her parents had ever told her. Um, and... The guy took her right to school, dropped her off, never saw her again. But she always was stuck with that that wondering, that lingering, what if something bad happened? And that was something that she wanted to explore in play and see and, and use that that kernel from her real life in, in a, a scene or something like that. Yeah. You, you know what's amazing is that now we don't have a problem putting our children at all into a Lyft or an Uber with a total stranger that could that's not checked for any sort of sex offender registry. Like, yeah. I would much rather give my kid to anybody in the BDSM community than a random vanilla stranger yeah. in an Uber. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, at least I but, know no matter how creepy one of our BDSM folks is, like, I know that they're accountable in that they, you know, yeah. we, we know mm-hmm. them to a certain extent. Yeah. Now, I'll oh, go ahead. I'm going to stop you for a second. Going, going back and taking a look at... Generally, in, in age play, the bigs are the ones that are, are dominant. But that, once again, is not always the case. Um, I really like the, I think it's really interesting whenever I see, like, a Veruca Salt type of circumstance, where the little is obviously in charge and is dominant and bossy, and, and the big is the submissive, the pleaser, and really there just to cater to the to the little. Mm, and yeah. that is a reference to Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, not the, the band of Veruca. Yeah, the yeah. 90s yes. band I went to college with, the I think, the bass player Veruca, so I didn't know her, but we were in <laughs> classes together. I found out later. Um, okay, so I'm going to caveat this next question I'm going to bring up, and this is, you know, for our listeners and for everyone, I want to say that in terms of processing trauma, um, you know, therapy is important. And, you know, alternate therapy is helpful for a lot of people, but it's not a replacement for therapy. Now, with that said, um, you know, when you were talking about people reliving the, you know, the janitor and that sort of thing, I know there are folks that that relive actual traumas and abuse that they've had in childhood in their age play. And so I want to ask you in that respect, how are those sorts of replications helpful and therapeutic versus can they also be damaging? 
So I, I really like that that you made a distinction between age play not being therapy, but yet it can still really be therapeutic. Yes. Um, personal trauma is a really hard thing, and I think you need a lot of self-knowledge before you, you end up playing with that. But one thing that age play is able to do is to let people go back and essentially rewrite their own personal history. Um, so if they had a traumatic incident when they were younger, and, and I've, I've heard a lot of people say, oh, all age players have some sort of trauma. And I don't, I definitely do not agree with that. There's been plenty of people that have been solid and haven't experienced trauma or anything like that. Um, but yet, I don't think really anyone comes from an ideal family. And and there's always something that, that folks, not necessarily trauma, can, can try to work through or can try to rewrite that own personal history. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that it, it by reliving something similar and being in control, um, people are able to know that they've maybe moved on or they can see their own agency or that, that they've chosen to put themselves in that circumstance. They've survived and that they've survived this this um, replay or this re-envisioning of it, and they, they come out feeling stronger and better knowing that that they can cope and, and that they're a good person. Mm. You know, one of the things I, we never asked you about, what is your academic background? So that that's a good question. So I have a, a, a bachelor's degree in psychology and sociology. I have a master's degree in sociology, and right now I'm actually going back to school for another master's um, in counseling, and I really want to focus on uh, the kink and the poly uh, populations because I know that there's not a lot of people who really do understand um, what it's like to try to go on your journey and express your desires and maybe have that rejection or the the excitement that once you get into playing. Mm. So that makes me so happy to hear because it's, you know, it's so important, especially with people um, that are not only into kink, but as we talked about, use some of their scenes in a therapeutic nature. If they can also do that in conjunction with a counselor or a therapist that understands how they're using it in a therapeutic way and can help them process it outside of the scene, that's so important. So thank you. The world needs more people like you. I mean, because I, I think both of them really do have their place. Right. Therapists are really good at guiding, but there's those boundaries and those lines that they can't cross. And sometimes what's really needed is for that individual to go and do something in a scene, and, and that can really supplement the therapy for some folks. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. I did want to go back and just talk about, you had asked about whether it's simply a big and a little, or can littles play with other littles, it really is totally flexible. Um, I've run slumber parties where a whole bunch of littles will come and play together. Um, there's been a little with multiple mommies and daddies and things like that. There's one daddy with a whole flock of littles. Um, and then there's also middles. So when we, when we generally talk about littles, um, people usually envision... Um, babies or smaller children or people like that. For for middles, they they kind of they're kind of like a switch. So they they kind of meld aspects of being a little and being a big. Maybe they're old enough to babysit. Um, they're old enough to be a little more responsible. Um, they can boss other people around. Um, so so they 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 have a lot of flexibility. Mm, okay. 
Yeah. So I want to talk about not only negotiation of age play scenes, but boundaries, especially when you're in mixed company. So let's say you are at a BDSM convention or a dungeon party, and you are little, and you may not be in the middle of an actual scene, but you're still acting your part. You know, you're walking around with your teddy bear, maybe you're talking in a baby voice, or, you know, the way your actions your and your mannerisms are, it's clear you're not in adult mode. So if you're interacting with people like that, let's say, at a BDSM event where some kind of role play is understood. But some people get really like, I don't want that shit around. Like, I don't understand age play. Or maybe I understand age play, but I know you're a sexual age player. And I don't agree with that. You shouldn't bring sex into it. So what are those boundaries when you're in little space or little mode? When should and shouldn't you act like a little? And then also, in more vanilla spaces, are there ways you can tap into your little space without violating the consent of the other people around you? Support for episode 111 of American Sex Podcast comes from Manscaped. They are number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for you or your sweetie's family jewels. Ken and I absolutely love Manscaped products, and we love them so much, we're going to give you 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. All you have to do is use the code SUNNY. Okay, so why the heck is Manscaped so great anyway? Well, first of all, Manscaped has completely redesigned the electric trimmer. Their Lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary skin-safe technology so you won't slice your balls to pieces. I mean, daddies are supposed to be good at everything, so nicked up nuts kind of undermines your authority. We also know that ball stank, that can be a problem. And proper hygiene is very, very important. That's why Manscaped also has the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. Now, I don't care if you're a mommy, a daddy, a little, middle, or whatever. If you've got balls, your freshness is appreciated by those you cuddle with. I mean, even your teddy bear is going to thank you. Manscaped is the perfect gift for a partner. And did you know that every time you patronize one of our sponsors, you support this podcast? Yep, the happier our sponsors are, the more they support us. So American fuckers, go get your 20% off and free shipping using the code SUNNY, S-U-N-N-Y, at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping at M-A-N-S-C-A-P-E-D.com with the code SUNNY. Now go get it, daddy. So I feel like a lot of age players really have a more fluid headspace. Um, So... I think definitely being in, in headspace is something that can happen whether you're walking the halls at a convention or or something along those lines. But you do have to really respect other folks as well. Um, third-party validation is really, really important um, for, for littles. And I feel like getting that validation that, oh, you're a cute little um, from someone other than your daddy is really empowering, um, but it really shouldn't be expected. And I realize that my kink is not not everyone's kink, and I 
encourage people to be tolerant, but sometimes if that's not what you'd like, even from a social interaction, you can just simply walk away. Um, you wouldn't go fondling other people at a convention without permission, and I, I probably wouldn't have people pressing age play type things or bratting or trying to involve them in your headspace without without that consent beforehand. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, as far as being in public, it really, I have done so many age play type scenes or interactions in a public place that other people simply had no idea. Um, and they've been really rewarding for me. So back when I lived up in Chicago, I took my little girl to the American Girl store um, on the Magnificent Mile because she had an American Girl doll when she was younger that she still had, and we thought it would be really a great a great time. Um, and there's lots of little subtle things you can do to get folks in the headspace that other people aren't aren't going to be bothered by. So a lot of times, even just something as small as holding your hands while you're walking across the street can start to evoke that headspace. Um, sometimes I like putting my my hand around her wrist because that shows a sense of control, uh, maybe like a sense of caring and ownership, or else. Um, she can grab onto my my last two fingers with her hand, and that makes her feel, I guess, physically smaller, um, and that can really be an emphasis for the dynamic as well. One thing that I like to do for littles is is really kind of uh, put them in their place is not what I'm trying to say, but that's what it basically is. So when we would go out, she wouldn't have her keys, she wouldn't have her wallet, she wouldn't have her phone, anything like that. Um, and that put her more into a, a dependent or childhood headspace. I'd open the door for her of the car, she'd plop down, I'd bend over and do her seatbelt, kiss her, and then close the door and walk around and get in and I'd be the one that drives. So it really just kind of reinforced that caring and, and that control aspects of my daddy-girl relationship. Mm. But going back to the American Girl um, outing, she really had a blast because she remembered some of the older historical dolls that she had when she was younger. And really the highlight of it was when she so she was in her 30s, six feet tall, um, and she had the exact same doll as this other actual little girl who was maybe eight. And they had just such an excited um, encounter and an interaction that they showed each other their dolls and the outfits, and they said what they liked about the hair, um, that it really was beneficial for them both and was totally respectful, and, and yet she came out feeling really totally in headspace, but yet nobody was creeped out and nothing actually went wrong. So I think that something like the American Girl Store or Build-A-Bear or even going out to eat and ordering for your little and maybe helping her cut up her meat or something like that are all interactions that are acceptable for the public area, but not creeping people out or involving other folks in your scene. Right. And so going back to the American uh, Girl Store, Doll, American Girl doll store. There's a lot of like American things in Girl there. Uh, yes. <laughs> so when she was when she was comparing dolls with the other girl, was she you know saying that yeah this is my doll or was she saying oh this is a doll I'm buying for my niece or like how what were the logistics of that? Nope. She said that was her doll. She had it for a while. This was the doll's name, and she really kind of got into it and and showed probably the same enthusiasm as the other little girl that was with her mother. right 
but it's it was very natural not yep. yeah very cool not creepy at all very mm-hmm. cool so uh, there was one thing i had had come across that i want to ask about is forced age regression so is this when you're actually you know and when we say forced it's in finger quotes it's consensual mm-hmm. non-consent so you know we're operating it's like forced by exactly we're operating on the assumption that it's negotiated ahead of time that yes you're going to quote force this person to do something that you actually asked them to do for you mm-hmm. um so what exactly is that and what's the appeal of the forced uh age regression so I think that's really interesting because I really like consensual non-consent. Um, I really like behavior modification or shaping. Um, and a lot of people want to be um, regressed or have their abilities taken away from them or be made to use the bathroom in a diaper or something like that. And I feel like the primary motivation by it is is to for them to do an activity that they want or, but, but maybe they aren't, maybe they aren't able to throw themselves into it as much as some other folks are. So if they want to be um, regressed into peeing in a diaper, um, that force is really going to, the force of the other partner making, once again, in quotes, making them do it is, is really going to alleviate that guilt because it's not them choosing or doing it they're being forced by that other partner to, to do it for, for them. Mm-hmm. And, and I really feel like a, avoiding guilt, especially sexual guilt is a lot of, is, is pretty important in, in some, for some folks. Yeah. And I, and I think that's huge, you know, for, for the listeners uh, listening along with us who are maybe new to the concept of consensual non-consent, like Ken brought up forced by, and oftentimes that is a male identified person being again, finger quote, forced to make out, have sex with blow, you know, whatever it is, another guy. And oftentimes it is because it's like, they want to do it, do that, but to like, actually go as far as to be like, no, I'm in control of this. I'm asking for it. There's so much shame. And, you know, like you said, guilt that, you know, asking someone to prod you along so you don't have to be the one making that final decision because maybe it's not quite comfortable. That's really appealing. And it helps you get what you want without you being like, yeah, that's what I want. Um, so, okay. All right. So one, I, I had a question for you. This is one of the the larger segments that I really wanted to talk about today. What does an actual play session involving sex with somebody who is, um, identified as one of the younger age players, what does that actually look like? Can you bring us through a scenario as to what that would look like with sex being involved? Sure. I would have to say that when you're dealing with a, a little that that has a younger age, I think that the sex usually has, I guess, at least in the scene, some ulterior motive. So it might be something like a bathing scene where daddy is washing up his little girl and then all of a sudden he starts cleaning her private parts and, and things move on from there. Um, usually it's about it's about caring, it's about sensation, um, and generally, well, if daddy kisses me and makes me feel good when he kisses my mouth, why can't he kiss me other places and, and make me feel good as well? So I feel like a lot of times 
the scene starts as something neutral and then kind of goes into a little bit of questionable territory and then and then launches more into a, a full-blown sex type scene um but the sex is not i guess the goal at least in the story of the scene as much as making daddy feel good or making daddy happy or um something along those lines Mm -hmm. as i'm listening to you talk and we we have also some people that ask some questions on twitter and and what you're talking Mm -hmm. about falls right in line with this um you know one of the questions that somebody asked is um they've seen tension between the non-sexual and the sexual um, uh, consensual caregiving communities, namely in the sense that people in the latter sometimes act holier than thou and think that sexual age play is inherently bad. Um, So this person is asking, you know, how can those two sides of the community better understand each other? And then someone followed up with another question along the same line saying, how young is too young? for a little to be sexual with their daddy. So I think like this really hits a nerve with people with the sex stuff, especially as the the age play is younger and younger and younger and younger. And what's on people's minds is like, how is this not weird? How is this not replicating incest? So like, what do you say to those people who have this like visceral reaction that are like, no, you know, the ones that that come from trauma are their own things, you know, that's their own Mm -hmm. things. But a lot of people, they just have that knee jerk reaction, like this is wrong. What do you say to that? Well, I, I think that everyone struggles with something in the alternative sexuality community. And that's just perfectly normal and that's okay. And my advice is always just change the channel or go get a cookie and take a look away. No one is making you watch that scene. No one's making you click on that video. Um, And really to each their own. I, I really believe that people have a lot of responsibility themselves. And most of the people that I've met who age play have a really good idea of what they like and why they like it. Um, And it's a really personal decision. But at the end of the day, that person, regardless of the age that they're playing, is over 18, is getting something positive from it, is making their partner feel good as well. Um, and, And I really feel like we really can't judge other folks too harshly. Mm-hmm. Um, I, for some reason, have really hard time watching waterboarding scenes. And but I don't. I mean, and that's enforced inter- enforced interrogation or torture. And I, I realize that people are making choices and are probably being satisfied with what they do. And I am more than happy to turn and look away. Uh, it's once again not really incest because folks aren't related. Um, I'm sure that maybe a small minority of people may be using it to fulfill um, desires that are not wholesome, but I really think that that's maybe common in in whatever and not just simply with age play. Right, right. There's always some some weird people out there no matter what they're doing. And I think, you know, what you say is good advice no matter what the type of play, whether you're into kink or not. It's like, especially those of us into kink, um, we want to 
be cheerleaders for and understand everybody else's kinks and and defend their right to do it. And sometimes we're going to come across a kink that no matter how hard we try, we don't understand. Or no matter how hard we try, we still have that visceral reaction that's like, ah, I feel really uneasy about that. But at the end of the day, what we have to remember is just like you said, it's between consenting adults. It's not hurting anybody. It really has nothing to do with you. And I think our visceral reactions make us lose sight of that. That like, it's okay to be uncomfortable with stuff, but it's how we process it and how we react to it. And a lot of people end up projecting. Um, I know a lot of age players who stop or pause their age play when they have children, actual biological children themselves, because they have they they just don't feel right um, playing an age of 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 their child. Mm-hmm. So either they um, do something else, or they just put it on pause, or something like that. And I mean, you feel how you feel, and however you want to cope with that in a respectful way is perfectly fine. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I think that sometimes people lose perspective because because like Sonny and I are gamers, and at the end of the day. If we're having a form of play where I'm an adult baby, or if I'm having a form of gameplay where I'm a gnome bard, I'm not either of those things in real life. Mm-hmm. And we're just having fun with it. We're we're doing something to, um, you know, sort of like just play. And there is no sense of purposefulness to it. It's just play at the end of the day. And it's mm-hmm. something that if you enjoy it, go ahead as long as you're not harming you know, somebody that's underage or an animal, go ahead and do it. Right. Yeah. You're, you're just taking aspects of that role and using it for your own purpose. And there's no transformation involved. So imagine there's an imaginary couple sitting out there right now. And actually, they're probably real. There probably is a couple sitting out there right now listening to this, where one partner is like, I'm really into age play. And hey, listen to this podcast, and maybe you'll understand it. And I'm sure a lot of people who who have listened to our conversation, have had light bulbs like, Oh, my God, I get it. Like, I didn't get it before, but I get it. But this one person's partner is like, Nope, still don't get it. Still don't want to participate in it. So what do you do if you're really into age play, but your partner wants to have nothing to do with it? Well, I really feel like like communication is really the first key and to see what you're interested in and why your partner has has some sort of reluctance to it mm-hmm. um, and, and really I feel like talking it out there's really no downside uh, but there also needs to be that respect that if I say okay I don't want to I don't want to do X Y or Z that's perfectly fine um, and because I I am poly and non-monogamous my my solution after after someone very talking through a situation and having a very strong no um, and realizing that this might be a need or a want for me would probably be to to try to play on my own. So whether that's um, flopping down in a sleeping bag and binging Transformers or putting on a diaper or... Um, whatever to get in the heads that headspace i feel like like self-exploration is really the next step mm-hmm. um and then farther than that you you may end up realizing that this is a very strong want or a need and you may end up finding someone that that you can engage in in that particular thing with yeah 
And I know that I've had plenty of partners where age play is not not part of their makeup. Uh, my fiance isn't doesn't have anything to do with age play at all. Um, and that's perfectly fine to me. I wouldn't want her to feel uncomfortable. Um, I get where she's coming from and the reasons behind it. And I, I have another partner that I, that I do engage with age, with age play with, and she really enjoys it and gets a lot out of it. That's awesome. You know, one other thing I would add too is, you know, cause we get a lot of people that come to us, like I'm into thing X, Y, Z, and my partner's like, nope. And, you know, oftentimes I'll tell people to kind of boil what they want in that fetish down to the lowest common denominator. So I'll give you an example. I was talking about that Daddy Don Little Girl article I had on my website. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people responded going, oh, my God, I already had this dynamic in my relationship. And we're really into it. We just never called it that, you know. So it's like, if you're into or after the nurturing aspect, or the, you know, someone setting down rules, or maybe you want to, you know, serve someone as you would serve or try to please your daddy or mommy, you can incorporate some of those feelings into other types of dynamics or scenes without actually calling it like age play labels. Mm -hmm. Would you agree with that? I, I definitely agree. Um, and I feel like there's just a lot of nurturing and caring that can be done as a, a quote unquote normal couple um, that that could have that could be satisfying for for some people um, to have that have age play tendencies. Uh, one of my little girls that I was with her her father had unexpectedly passed away, and as me being a daddy, that really um, really disrupted the relationship because now daddy was a triggering sort of a thing and i totally understood and it made a lot of sense but some people may have something like that where just simply the names or or the terminology that that you use is is what's upsetting and you can always find different words um that that help separate that out or make it more acceptable yeah yeah you know, I, I you bring that up and i was thinking of an incident where someone i know um, was a daddy to somebody. And yeah, their their actual daddy passed away. And it was more of a comic oh. relief. You know what I'm talking about? It was a more of a comic relief. But it was like, who's your daddy now? And that we all found that really funny. And, it was, and but so it was that dark person. humor thing. And yeah. the person I knew, and she's, she's referring to me in one of my yes. old submissives. And it was mm -hmm. obviously a very traumatic, you know, thing for her. But we you know, we, we were helping her work through it with humor, and it's something that at the time she very much appreciated. Yeah, yeah. Good. Okay, so those listening along who are like, all right, I'm really into age play, or I'm into the idea of age play, and I want to learn more. However, and I know uh, me as a sexuality professional who is a kinkster who knows all of this stuff, I've gone on the internet uh, looking at age play stuff, and there's so many damn acronyms like ANR and DDLG and, and uh, you know, all the other, there's a ton of them. So where can someone go to be like, all right, I need the skinny, like the 101 on age play, the acronyms, the definitions. Is there a place? Yeah, is there an age play lexicon? That is an excellent question. I haven't looked in quite a while um, for really decent age play resources. So I am probably not the best person to ask about that. Okay. So what I'm going to do is between this recording and the time it airs, I'm going to poke around on the internet. See if I can find anything. If you think of something, send it on to me. 
I know, like, what, what what is your feeling about recommending FetLife as a place for people to learn about age play? I, I really feel like FetLife has a lot of different categories um, and groups that are really very granular and specific to particular aspects of it, like that ANR, that adult nursing relationship. There's several groups about that. Um, and there's groups that are specifically littles or middles or for daddies or for daddies that are focusing on little girls. I, I think that you get a lot of people's personal reflections, whether that's in posts or writing. And I really feel that by looking at what other people do and enjoy, you'll get that feeling whether that's something that you like or something that you don't like or maybe something that you can tweak. Um, and it would be really positive. So I, I definitely think that FetLife is um, a good place to go. I know that for a while, the Big Little podcast had episodes on different aspects of age play, and I really enjoyed those. And there was a lot of good thinking about that as well. Awesome. So uh, tell us, where can we find you on the internet? Where are all the things that are Paul Ruloff? Um, you can find me on FetLife um, under Rule of Three, um, all spelled out, no periods, anything like that. Um, you can find my books on Amazon under Paul Ruloff, R-U-L-O-F, and there's uh, the Emotional Play, the Orgasm Control, as well as the Age Play book there. And awesome. I think I just realized that I could look at your name as Paul Rule of, and that just yeah. dawned upon me right now after knowing you for goddamn near a decade. <laughs> well, look at that, Psychic Ken. Psychic Psychic Ken, yes, I know. <laughs> Wow, I'm a dumb. <laughs> Just got that right now. Holy cow. Well, maybe you're tapping into your little space like, oh, silly me. <laughs> I didn't even get the joke. I don't know. <laughs> I, I think that's more blonde space. With me. Okay. I think it's less of a little. I think littles are way smarter than that. Okay. So, and our, our next topic, bimbofication. <laughs> yes. Starring Ken. Well, that is really hot. I really like it. Yeah, yeah. Paul, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. You guys are always so wonderful. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Alrighty. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to American Sex. To keep up with Ken and I, we'll first make sure you watch our TV show, Sex with Sunny Megatron, on Showtime. Then visit SunnyMegatron.com. There you can learn more about us, read our blog, peruse our workshop calendar, or hire us. For what? Well, either for private coaching, or to book us to teach at your event or university, or as sex and relationship writers for your publication. Oh, and don't forget, we're on social media, too. I'm the super social one, so you can find me as Sunny Megatron on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, my YouTube channel, and a bunch of other places. But if you want to get me on Snapchat, you got to look for Sunny underscore Megatron, and you can follow Ken on Twitter at at tag PsyChicken. That's P-S-Y-C-H-I-C-K-E-N. Also, please support us by shopping with the affiliates and sponsors from our breaks. And if you contribute to our Patreon, we're going to love you forever. Well, we're going to love you forever anyway, but just go with it. Lastly, if you like this broadcast, tell people about it. Tweet it, Facebook status it, and rate it on iTunes and other platforms. Thanks, friends. We'll see you next week on American Sex.